Andrew, um, would you come and we'll pray together and um, you bring us the word of God that he has put into your heart. Now, Andrew, they just returned. He's going to tell you, I'm sure, just this week from overseas. And so the Lord is strengthening him with, uh, with strength because jet lag is a real thing. So if you hear snoring in the service, it's probably Ann. <laughs> Thank you for being with us even through the jet lag, Ann. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for bringing Andrew with us tonight, and I just thank you too for the word that you've stirred up in his heart, and I'm asking you, Lord, to um, bring it out in the way that is pleasing to you, open up our ears to hear and our eyes to see and receive revelation in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Honored to be with you all, Church of the Word family. Uh, double honor because not only Pastor Sid's here, Pastor Dale is here. So, and uh, and just I just thought I should mention some of you may not be aware, but Paul and Sandy Burkholder, they have been in the beautiful Fiji Islands and ministered at our Bible school. And uh, uh, Reba Zimmerman Obama, she has been to Australia with the youth team. So we have some real tangible tie-ins here. And uh, then uh, uh, John and Nellie Fike, uh, I had the privilege and honor of, uh, of uh, encouraging, talk about encouraging them when they had a challenging experience in the field, and God has since, so I was validating you all, and you have since been vindicated too. So there's so, so many tie-ins here. I just see Scott and Karen Salee and know you guys for ages. But there's so many, I'll probably be forgetting names to mention. So it's an honor, a real honor to be here and to know so many of you personally. Um, I saw, you know, brother, if you have that uh, slide, uh, just the tech gentleman, uh, do you have that slide up there? If you, if you have it. But when I was walking down the maze to the pastor's office, uh, there was this lady who came up walking beside. Paul was taking me there, and I could pick out immediately an accent. I said, is that a Kiwi accent? No, in Australia, you just call them Kiwis. And, and she said, no, South African. Said, Kathleen, I believe it was. And uh, she said, well, I know you. I'll watch your, your YouTube video uploads every week. I said, wow. You can't imagine how great an honor that is to me because you know there's no way you're going to run on the same track in you know, every single point. You know there's 403 videos uploads as of this week, uh, and she says I watch you every week, so I know I know you very well. But that's just a huge honor, and they can take that time to get that slide up. But I just thought I'd put this in that if you start with the at symbol. You know, for Gmail, you put at Gmail. So at Andrew N for no nonsense. Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R. At Andrew N Taylor. Either search on Google or YouTube, and that's the first one that'll come up. But you have to put every one of those in immediate succession, no spaces or anything in between. That's Reba there smiling at me. I spotted her. Yes, sweetie. Um, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that slide shortly. 
Uh, I just want to also just touch on, we, we didn't sense, I mean, actually we're so jet-lagged, we just praise God, we're here, we're healthy, well and strong, uh, getting over it better every day. But uh, so we have uh, apt foundation, which is its own 501c3 tax exempt status here in the States. And we have a pioneered a Bible college and Christian school in the beautiful Fiji Islands where Sandy came and ministered. Paul was right there with her. Uh, a Bible college in Jakarta, Indonesia, which is the most populous Muslim nation on earth. And a Bible college that we planted in North India. And Anne, my wife, has a project for children from the slums in Bangalore, India. Now, has anyone here not seen us before? Apart from the new visitor. Others? Because you know that Anne has the passion for the poor, the homeless, and the underprivileged, and that's why she married me. Okay. <laughs> and she's very demure. She won't take any credit. She's an architect by profession. But the worst mistake she married me was she thought she would redesign me. <laughs> Didn't work too well, did it? Now, so on that note, I'd like, oh, there's the uh, slide. So the bottom line there, at Andrew N. Taylor, if you subscribe, you'd make our day. Kathleen's sharing that just blessed me. In fact, this morning, I got a WhatsApp message from a gentleman who, he and I went to Sunday school together. And he just, just a simple sentence. Brother, I am really, really, blessed by your messages on YouTube. I was like, wow, Lord, where did that come from? You know, so um, I'd be honored if you uh, felt to subscribe. Then we've, our first two books are sold out. The third is just $10 a copy. My dear wife has set up the table there. $10 a pop, you're welcome to, if you care to buy it. Now, talking about uh, the ladies, I think, statistically, we generally have a few more ladies than men in the church. Wherever I've been, I've seen that. Uh, it seems that the Lord has endowed them or embedded in them an extra pious gene than the men. Men need a little bit of, you know, come on, you know. So, uh, having said that, there's a, a, a fresh message the Holy Spirit uh, had me develop recently. And I'd like to, there's an unction on it, so I'd like to share that with you all. Even though it's, it's an encouragement to the ladies, it's applicable universally. When I say universally, there's only two genders. Okay, just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> well, man, woman, boy, girl, but that's it. So, uh, I, I know we're a little past Mother's Day also, but I've learned in our life experience and travel, that there are actually some ladies who don't go to church on Mother's Day because maybe they've been single or they never had children and they can't handle the pain. And we need to remember, and the same could be true for Father's Day, so, that every one of us has touched the lives of children whether it's as a teacher, Sunday school teacher, school teacher, neighbors, children, nieces, nephews. So everybody ought to be fated. Every lady, if it's Mother's Day, and man, if it's Father's Day. I'm not talking about the children who haven't yet had the opportunity to, you know. So 
when I learned that, it was, it was sad for me to hear that. Painful. So I make sure now that we cover the whole gamut. So whether they're biological, adopted, and by the way, when it comes to the family of God, every single one of us is adopted. Praise God. Uh, and uh, it's also been said uh, in, to the credit of the ladies or the, or the wives that, uh, with families that usually the oldest child the wife has to take care of is the husband. Okay. <laughs> the ladies love that. Yes, that's right. Every woman, now men, this applies to us. Every woman that walks with God has a story to tell. The glory is preceded by a real-life story. The glory, we know some awesome women of God in the Bible, but that's preceded by a real-life story. If you talk to Sarah, the wife, S-A-R-A, the wife of Abraham, she was already 90 years old. He was 100. And when she hears that God's going to give them a son, uh, I mean, she's way past. She's postmenopausal, way past. It's not physically possible. In fact, here's what the scripture says in Genesis 18, 11, and 12. The way of women, so the monthly menstrual cycle, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So she laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord, my husband is old, shall I have pleasure it's like, forget about it. Not going to happen. And so guess what? Don't ever doubt the word of God. That son that was born, the son of promise, was named Isaac, which means laughter. Because she laughed when she heard it. So she had to live with calling him laughter the rest of her life. If you ask Sarah, she will tell you, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. If you talk to Hagar, now this was an act of Sarah in the flesh. And which one of us has not operated at times in the flesh? She, just, she, she couldn't imagine she would ever get pregnant. It's over and done with. And so she, she encourages her husband to go to the handmaid, Sarah, and have a child through her. And we know that that child is Ishmael, but when Hagar is pregnant, Sarah loses it. She becomes jealous and wants her to be chased away from their tribe. And so Hagar is sent out in the wilderness. And she's despondent, desolate, and pregnant. In that wilderness experience... God spoke, met and spoke to Hagar and told her what to do. In Genesis 16, 13, we read, And she, Hagar, called the name of the Lord, or gave the title for God, who spoke to her, Thou, God, seest me. Sister, you feel isolated, despondent, alone. God sees God knows, and the angel of the Lord gave Sarah specific instructions saying, go back. I will take care of you. Your son will be the father of many nations. And, well, unfortunately, he was a son of the flesh. We know that. So if you talk to, Sarah, to Hagar, 
she will tell you no matter how desolate and desperate and disparate your circumstances, God is still there. He never leaves you alone. If you talk to Rahab, this is actually one of my favorites. You'll find out why. If you talk to Rahab, if most of us know when we hear the name Rahab, how do we define her? Rahab the harlot. Now this is it's so, uh, so valuable to listen to her story. If you talk to Rahab, known as Rahab the harlot, she will tell you that God can use anything and anyone at any time. She will tell you God can use anything in case the enemy has beaten you down and made you feel worthless and no good. And this doesn't just apply. It could have been a girl who got pregnant in high school. It could have been a boy who got hooked into drugs in high school and wasted so many years of his life. But God can turn your circumstances around if you will yield to him and he can do anything through Anyone at any time, if we will let him, if we will yield to him. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 6 and 18, because I'm not reading the whole thing, Rahab, so Israel sends two spies into Jericho to spy out the land before they can attack it to take it. And they come to the local red light area, which is Rahab's house which was on the wall of the city of Jericho, happened to be in that location. And then the people of Jericho find out that they learn that these spies from Israel are in their city. And so they come searching for them. They've obviously heard they went to Rahab the harlot's house. And the Bible tells us, Rahab brought them, the two spies, Israelite spies, up to the roof and had hidden them with stalks of flax flax, which she had laid in order on the roof of her house in Jericho. And because of that, they were not found by the, by the people of Jericho. And then she releases them down through the window to safety. But here's what they tell her before they leave to safety. When we come to the land, verse 18, Joshua chapter 2. You bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Bring your father, mother, brothers, your, your household into your home. In other words, any family member of yours that is not in this house, they'll be taken out. But if they're here, they are spared. This is reminiscent of the Passover when God smote the oldest son in Egypt. If you... Put the blood of a male lamb on your doorposts and lintel. When the angel of death comes, he will pass over you. If you have this red cord hanging down from your window, when we see that red cord, we will pass over your family. You and your family will be saved, Rahab. Now keep following Rahab. We're not done with her. Exactly as they said happens. They come, they take over Jericho, Rahab and her family is saved. And now, Rahab, she, obviously she and her family go to be with the people of Israel. Rahab finds herself 
in the ancestral line of Messiah. Sister, if you thought your life was ruined, wasted, you were used and abused and, you know, trampled upon, and you felt you didn't amount to anything, sir, you do. If you felt that was your case, she finds herself in the ancestral line of Messiah, believe it or not. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5. Now, we pronounce the fish as salmon. But I'm, I tend to think this gentleman's name was Salmon. S-A-L-M-O-N. Just to be technical as a teacher there. She and her family go to live in Israel. She, Rahab, has a son by a man named Salmon. And the son's name is Boaz. She was not even Israelite. She wasn't Jewish by blood. She was from Jericho. She was a harlot. Are you listening, sister, brother? God can use anything, anywhere, anytime, if we will yield to him. She has a son by Simon named Boaz. Boaz has a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named King David. And Jesus, our Messiah, is called Son of David. So much, if the enemy tried to beat you down, God can raise you up, use you, and make you a mighty blessing. She becomes the direct, great, great grandmother of King David. Can you see how God is able to redeem anyone? If you'll allow me to use the expression, from the guttermost to the uttermost. If you talk to Hannah, she will tell you, my God answers prayer. Elkanah had two wives, Peninnah and Hannah. Peninnah had the children. Hannah was barren. She couldn't have a child. They come once a year to, to offer at the temple in Jerusalem. And there's Hannah. She goes into the temple just alone. Nobody else is there. And the Bible tells us, we'll read this. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 13, 14, and 17. She comes to the temple. She pours her heart out to God. Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Now there's a time, of course, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. I believe that's Psalm 100 verse 1. Absolutely there's a time for that. Praise. And, uh, but there's also a time to just worship and pour out your heart. You know, God hears the whisper of your heart. We used to sing uh, when I was younger, there was an old chorus, God's not dead, no, he's alive. And you know, in, in some of the countries we work in, is this being live streamed? Uh, no. Recorded. Just recorded. Well, some of the countries we work in, the, the religious leader in their building has a microphone and he calls them to worship five times a day over the, over the microphone quite loud. So I like have a takeoff that I encourage the Christians in those countries. God's not deaf. 
God, you don't have to yell and scream and be hooping and hollering. He can hear the whisper of your heart. There's a time to praise and worship him. Let it rip. But he can hear the whisper of your heart, my friend. Therefore, when Eli saw her, it says, he thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away wine from you. Verse 17, and Eli said, after she tells him she's not drunk, she's crying, pouring out her heart for a child, and that if she has a son, she will give him to God. Eli says, verse 17, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant you your petition, which you have asked of him. And she has a son named Samuel who is one of the most outstanding and prolific prophets in the history of the nation of Israel. And also a judge over Israel. So you ask Hannah, tell us about your God. She will tell you, my God answers prayer. She was a woman of unflinching, persistent, prevailing prayer. God saw her heart and he answered her prayer. If you talk to Ruth, you'll find an amazing connection here. If you talk to Ruth, she will tell you it's not over until God says it's over. It's not over until God says it's over. Naomi with her husband Elimelech goes with her two sons, Malin and Kilian, because there's famine in Jerusalem and Israel. They go to Moab again. Moab is a foreign land. Those people are not Jews. And they, the two sons marry Moabitess girls, Orpha, and Orpha is quite a common Amish name, actually, right, for girls, and Ruth. And we know the rest of the story. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. Both the sons, Marlon and Killian, die. And then they find out, well, that's, tr that's a triple tragedy in the same family. And there's Naomi with the two daughters-in-law. And they find out that the famine is over in Israel. She determines to go back. The two girls come. We know the story. Partway, she tries to prevail upon them and offer returns to her people. But what does Ruth say to, to Naomi? She's a Moabitess girl. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. And because Ruth aligned herself with the God of Israel, shall we say via the testimony of Naomi. She comes into Israel, goes to glean barley in the field. They were commanded by the law of Moses not to strip the field bare, leave some for the poor. And a gentleman named Boaz passes by and his eye lights upon her. Long story short, he marries her. Boab is the son of Rahab. So the son of a woman from Jericho who's adopted into the Messianic line marries a girl who's a Moabitess who's also adopted into the Messianic line. So be careful we don't take too much pride in the purity of our lineage. God... <laughs> That's a, 
That's okay. That's actually I can't because I'm a cultural and genetic hybrid. But I still win because I've learned in genetics that hybrids are disease resistant and produce better fruit. <laughs> you can't lose with God. Hallelujah. Don't don't call yourself a half caste. You're a hybrid. Remember you don't want self-pollination in botany. You want cross-pollination. That gives you better flowers. Yeah, there you go. Better fruit. Yes. So, continuing on, we leave uh, botany and zoology aside. Uh -huh. Ruth, she, Boaz marries her. So God brings a woman from Jericho into the Messianic line, and he brings a Moabitess lady named Ruth into the Messianic line. As we said, Ruth... And Boaz had a son named Obed, whose son was Jesse, whose son was David, whom we know as King David. So Ruth the Moabitess becomes the direct great-grandmother of King David. So what would Ruth tell you? It's not over till God says it's over. Triple tragedy. And look how God turned things around. Because she made a concerted decision. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Talk to Esther. She will tell you. I mean, she's actually the closest gal in the Bible to Cinderella's story. And I'll, I'll tell you why in, in a short moment. She will tell you that God can turn a nobody into a somebody. God can turn a nobody into a somebody. Esther was an orphan. We have to turn to the Midrash. The Midrash, M-I-D-R-A-S-H. By the way, if you want all the details, sign up to our YouTube channel. The message is there. Very fresh. Just put it up. The Midrash is a rabbinic work that interpret, interprets scripture and specifically tries to fill in the silent spots. For example, how do we know that Esther was an orphan? We don't know from the text of scripture. But the Jewish Midrash tells, Midrash tells us that Esther's father died while her mother was pregnant. So she never saw her dad. And that her mother dies at childbirth. So she's born an orphan. Now her father was Mordecai's uncle. This is all from the Midrash. Not if this is not PFA. You know what PFA is? Pull from air. No. <laughs> from the Midrash. <laughs> he liked that. Her father, who passed away when mom was pregnant, was Mordecai's uncle. So Mordecai is an older cousin of Esther, and he becomes her guardian. So, now we've, we've got the connection there. But she's still born an orphan. What a sad, tragic start in life. Maybe you were adopted out because your mom didn't want you. You felt like reject was stamped on your forehead all your life. Dear friend, be encouraged. Now you're adopted into the family of God. 
you're very precious and so valuable in his sight. Her older cousin Mordecai comes to the rescue and later, by the way, you talk about Miss USA, Miss Universe. Dude, the Bible's the first in everything. That was the first beauty pageant in the Bible, in Esther. And also, just as a little freebie in between, the longest verse in the Bible is found in Esther. I used to know the reference, of pity I can't. And I used to challenge myself, Andrew, you're going to read the whole verse without, without taking a breath. Now, that, that's part of your course. <laughs> it's Esther 6, 8, I'm not sure. But it's the longest verse in the Bible is in Esther. She wins the world's first ever beauty pageant. It wasn't a kingdom. It was an empire. And Esther 2.17, we read, The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen. And some key phrases. Remember how Mordecai told her because Haman wanted to exterminate all the Jews. He said, who knows but God has brought you to the palace for such a time as this. And she fasted and prayed for three days with her maids and she said, if I perish, I perish. If the king does not uh, give me audience. But she put her life on the line and God used Esther, made her we talk about Moses as the deliverer. True. But God used Esther, sister, as the deliverer of her people from being exterminated. Yes, God uses the men. He uses the ladies too. Hallelujah. God can turn a nobody into a somebody. Remember those voices in your head. I'm not sure whether it was a parent or an uncle or a cousin or a teacher who said, you'll never amount to anything. Reject that in Jesus' name. God can turn a nobody into a somebody. If you talk to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, she will tell you, you can carry and give birth to greatness. Luke 141, when her cousin Mary, by the way, Elizabeth and Mary are cousins, which means John the Baptist and Jesus are second cousins. Just minutiae I like. Now, Elizabeth steps across the threshold. What happens in Elizabeth? She's filled with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb, and he leaps for joy at the presence. And she says, what an honor that the mother of my Lord should come and pay me a visit. Come in, cousin Mary. Elizabeth will tell you, you can carry and give birth to greatness. Luke 141, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 11, 11, the Lord Jesus says about John the Baptist, among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than John the Baptist. I'm not going into part B. That's another message on the YouTube channel. But Elizabeth will tell you, you can carry and give birth to greatness. If you talk to Mary, the key phrase you receive, first naturally she was puzzled. 
How can it be? I don't know a man. And when she hears what Gabriel clarifies to her, what does she say? This is a, a beautiful model and example of obedience and submission to the will of God. She said, let it be unto me according to your word. Why, oh, why do we doubt and disbelieve the word of God so often in our lives? Learn from Mary's shining example. Let it be to me. I will face the shame and ignominy of community and family and society, but let the word of God be fulfilled in my life. Luke 1, 28, 30 and 38. The angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Verse 30. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I can only speak as a man, my life experiences as a man, but I've often thought, which woman, believer in Jesus, wouldn't have wanted or liked to have the privilege that Mary had? It's untoppable. You can't top it. But she was the one that God chose for that place. And it's not wrong if you thought that way. That's okay. Let it be to me according to your word. I want to close with a couple of real life instances from my own mother who's in heaven now with Jesus. So my late dad was the president of the Bombay Dockyard Labor Union. He was basically a mafia don. He told us himself, I was a chain smoker and I drank my whiskey neat, undiluted. So he was not a very nice man. If he called for a strike, not one container would have been taken off any ship that, was, that had come to port in Bombay. One day, walking home, he hears a street preacher. He talked about, uh, what's this group going out? To? City Gate, yeah. He heard a street preacher. My dad was raised Roman Catholic, but it didn't mean anything to him. We love you. If you're a Roman Catholic priest, stay here, please keep coming. But it, he had not no personal experience of Jesus. He heard the street preacher. He, he never knew about salvation through faith in Jesus, repenting of his sins, having them washed by the blood of Jesus. He repented, he got born again. And God spoke to him and said, I want you to resign your job and preach the gospel. I'm from a family of nine children, seven boys in a row. There's only one girl after me. I'm number seven of the boys. One girl after me and one more boy. So eight boys and one girl, nine of us, with dad and mom, we had a soccer team. <laughs> Our dining table was literally the size of a ping pong table. We played ping pong on it. I can't explain, there was an Irish Catholic nun who was the head of the maternity department in a huge hospital in the city. 
She'd met everybody in the family except me. And that day I came home, my motorcycle took off my helmet. She rushed up to me, she was visiting. My, one of my brothers had adopted a baby from their maternity ward. So that was the connection. She'd heard of everyone except me. And she was a little superstitious Irish Catholic. But she loved Jesus in her own way. She came rushing up when she saw me with a helmet. And she, she said, you must be Andrew. I said, you must be Mother Virginia. She said, yes. She said, you are the seventh son in succession to open the womb. In Ireland, you cannot get any luckier than that. And she's trying to pull the luck out of my cheeks. No. But there's something, I can't explain this though. Before I was born, there were the first three sons. Dad has resigned his job when he had three sons. And suddenly, you've lost your mansion with six maids. Doctor could pay you house visits all on the house. Lost his paycheck, position, everything. And he becomes an itinerant preacher. And there's no food in the house for breakfast this one morning. So a couple of incidences with my late mother. And I, I can reflect now and see how she operated in the gift of faith. Three, old, three boys, I wasn't born yet, tugging on mama's skirt. Mommy, we're hungry. So she said, let's sing the doxology. And she led the three of them, dad's out preaching, I'm not yet born. And they sang, no food in the house. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And there's no blessing in the house, no food. Talk about in faith. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's a knock on the door. The town Scrooge, Mr. Barden, the town's crude, wealthy man had sent his uh, male servant. And the man standing at the door, they just finished singing it with loaves of bread and bottles of milk. I mean, some of you new generation don't understand this. But in our day, the milkman would come to the house and deliver the milk bottle each day. And the bread guy, the baker, would deliver a loaf of bread each day. So the male servant of Mr. Barden says to my mom, Ma'am, uh, my master's wife has gone out of town for a week. And so the milk and the bread is accumulating. He said, take it to the preacher's house. Testimony number one. You ask my mother, she would tell you, Philippians 4.19, Our God is more than enough. He promised to meet and supply our every need. Psalm 37, 25, most appropriate. My mother quoted this many times. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Next incident with my mother. I'm now born. Number seven of nine, all of us. We moved to the big smoke of the city of Bangalore in India. You can Google this. That is the Silicon Valley of planet Earth today. Not Silicon Valley, California. That, and that also has a bunch of guys from India anyhow, right? Bangalore is the hub. People are flying back there, relocating with the money and the economic boom there now. So we've come to Bangalore. I was 
Dad's still preaching. Mom wants these four brothers. The older ones had graduated from high school. The four of us, of which I was number seven, that's three, four, five, six, seven, to be admitted into a Christian school. She was very determined to put us in a Christian school. She met with the then British principal and told her that she'd like us four to be admitted. He asked a few questions. She says, what does your husband do? He's an evangelist. And so he took a memo and wrote, admit the four Taylor boys. And she said, but Reverend Thomas, we won't be able to afford the tuition. He took the memo and put hyphen in full caps, F-R-E-E. From grade 4 to grade 11, in my day, there was no grade 12. From grade 11, you went to your degree. I was a complete 100% free scholarship student, Bishop Cotton Boys High School. It was ranked second of all the schools in the whole country of India with 1.4 billion people. Four playing fields, computer lab, tennis court, swimming pool, free student. I even got pocket money, which was a big deal for me because of my mom's faith. Again, my mom will tell you he's the God of the impossible. Jeremiah 32, 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Anne also went to the same school, to the girls' school. But her dad could afford to pay. She said, why did you tell them that? They were blessed in that way. But look how God provided for his servants' children. At the age of eight, dad's traveling and preaching. So when dad traveled, there were just two rooms, one big room for all the boys to sleep and dad and mom's bedroom. He's traveling. The three little ones, Andrew, the only sister, Becky, and Paul, would sleep on mattresses on the floor. But after lights out, mom would tell us Bible stories. I was honestly surprised when I went to Sunday school that other kids did not know about David and Goliath and Daniel and the lion's den. I had learned them all from my mother. So ladies, be encouraged. You can be a mighty, uh, have a mighty impact on the lives of your children. So after dark, lights out, the three little toddlers, eight, six, and four, at mom's bedside while dad's away preaching, and then one night, she came to the crucifixion. Lights off. When she came to the crucifixion, I got all choked up. And I ran to the corner, and I was sobbing. I don't know what I could understand to eat. I muffled my sobs. And I came back and pretended like nothing was wrong. And next night, I said, Mom, Mom, tell us. But the crucifixion again. And she told us again. I ran to the corner. The second night, my sister heard me. Mom, Mom. And she's crying. She called me. Listen up, moms and dads. Why are you crying, son? I said, Mom, how could they do such a cruel thing to Jesus? And in the dark, she said, God has his hand on this boy's life. 
I couldn't comprehend it at the time, but she spoke prophetically over me. She may have forgotten about it, I never did. Parents, speak the word of God and the word of life over your children. And one closing one. I was not 12. Remember our table tennis table? All of us, nine kids, at night we would have devotions. And that night, she read from scriptures and read from a daily devotional. And it was from John chapter 1 about Andrew who brought his brother Simon to Jesus. And then in front of all my older brothers, she said, again, she was speaking prophetically. She didn't realize it then. She said, I named, I mean, they're all older than me. I named this boy Andrew so that when you'll grow up, if any of you did not receive Jesus, like Andrew of old, he'd bring you to Jesus. I never forgot that. Pastor said, I'm done. Be encouraged, congregation. I leave it to your pastor to tie it together. You're welcome. Worship team, come. Thank God for the godly females in our life. Stand with me if you would. And for our ushers, if you would put an offering basket at the door so that um, that offering is going to be for Andrew. If you want to bless him and help him, um, you'll find that at the door as you're going out. Uh, door of the sanctuary. All right, let's pray. Father, we present ourselves here to you to worship you, to lift up your holy name. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with godly women in this house. Women that hear your voice. Women that have a vision like you want them to have on the inside. And I ask you to strengthen every woman in this house, Lord, in, in a way that's unique and special to her. Thank you, Father, that you empower her, enable her, give her grace to do, to accomplish all that you have for her to do. And also, Lord, for every other person in here, that what you have in your heart for them would be fulfilled and accomplished. Bring us into your full will in Jesus' name. And amen. Hallelujah. I'm just so glad Boaz met his wife, because otherwise he'd have been a ruthless individual. So. Couldn't resist, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let's make this declaration. Jesus is the Son of God. And he, and he is my Lord and soon coming King. Soon coming. There are no greater words that you can say on this planet. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah.
the anointed one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Father, thank you for giving us the name of Jesus. And Lord, we go into this coming week and I'm asking you, Father, that you give us in a greater awareness of your presence and the authority that we carry in the name of Jesus. Father, we yield ourselves to you to be vessels in your hand fit for use in all things that glorify you. In Jesus' name, and amen. But one way that we love God in this house is we encourage each other, we love each other. So do encourage each other, bless each other as you go. Take time to fellowship with one another. All right, Pastor Sid, you going to bring the word? Well, good evening. If you would, turn in your Bible with me over to uh, Proverbs 11. Or if you put it up on the screen, you can see it there as well. Proverbs 11, and let's begin over in uh, verse 17. And what I want to just do a quick focus on is simply to remind ourselves, first of all, what is the book of Proverbs about, right? The book of Proverbs is God's wisdom written for you and I. It's God's wisdom that's been put into capsule forms because you can just take pretty much any single verse in Proverbs. Proverbs is great because you don't have to have all the context often that comes before like you do maybe in the Gospels or in a letter that Paul wrote. And you can just take bite sizes and meditate on them and let the wisdom of God come and, and fill you. In uh, Proverbs chapter 11, because we're talking about taking tithes and offerings or, re, or returning the tithe to the Lord and receiving offerings unto the Lord, there is, um, sometimes we, people get hung up on, well, is the tithe a New Testament thing? Well, it's absolutely a New Testament thing. If you don't think it is, you just need to do a little more Bible study because Jesus told the Pharisees to tithe and he wasn't teaching old covenant law. He was teaching new covenant principles, new covenant rules, new covenant way of living, if you want to say it that way. So everything Jesus taught, he was looking to this new covenant. And he was making examples from the old covenant. For example, an eye for an eye. But then the new covenant side of it was love your enemies, right? And so that's how he taught. And he talked about the tithe. And in Hebrews, it talks about how that Jesus is the one who receives the tithe. In, in up in the heavenlies. And so we're not here to, to look at in depth or answer the question on the tithe. What I would rather, tonight what we're, we're focusing on is the law of sowing and reaping in regards to finances. Okay? So here in Proverbs 11 and verse 17, it says, A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings disaster on himself. Now this word kind, it means a number of different things. Merciful is one of them. But this is a little bit of a blind uh, translation where he says a kind man benefits himself. The word is his own soul. His own soul. He benefits his own soul. Being kind benefits you. Being kind benefits you. Does it benefit the person you were kind to? Absolutely. Right? If you, if you feed someone who's homeless 
and you give them a bite to eat, you've benefited them, but you've benefited you, right? He goes on and says, but a cruel person brings ruin on his own flesh and kin, would be the literal translation. On his own flesh and kin. The first one, it blesses his soul. The second one, cruelty, is even bad for your body. All right, look down into verse 24. One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. One person gives freely. This is the word scatters. It's a planting term. And it, think of a person out in the field. They're scattering their seed, but yet they gain more because there's a crop coming because of the law of sowing and reaping. So the guy that is kind, he reaps that. Well, here, person scatters freely, yet increases more. Look in verse 25. A generous person, or a literal translation would say, a blessing person. Are you a blessing person? Are you the kind of person that is a blessing everywhere you go? Or are you a sucker? Right? Sucking the blessing out of everyone else but not giving blessing. No, we want to be blessings. A generous person, a blessing person will be enriched. Or I like how the King James says it, made fat. <laughs> the blessing person will be made fat. And not that kind of fat. So you don't have to be worried. You're like, I'm not blessing anyone. I'm on a diet. No, it means enriched. That's what it means, right? Blessed, enriched. And the one who gives a drink of water will receive a flow of water. And that's important. I know that's not in most translations, but if you look at the meaning of the word, it means flow of water. The one who gives a drink, that's not a flow, will receive a flow of water. So now apply this to your finances. It's more than what you sowed. It sounds a whole lot like what Jesus said when He said, press down, shaking together, and running over. Men will give into your bosom. All right, let's go over and look at verse 28. Anyone trusting in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. So the contrast is falling or flourishing. Falling or flourishing. And what's the difference? Well, the falling one trusts in the money. Obviously, the money isn't the answer. God, the righteous, they will flourish. Why? Because God is helping them. And now look down at verse 31. If the righteous will be repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and sinful? Let's focus for a moment on this line, if the righteous. Who are the righteous again? Those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They are the righteous. Okay? They are the righteous. And they will be what? Repaid. Repaid. Everyone say, repaid. What does repaid mean? Yeah, it's paid back. The righteous will be paid back some far away day when you get to heaven. Well, that's true too. But not only then, right? Jesus said you will receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the life to come. So it's both. Here he, he specifies where it's at in this case. On earth. Not after you die and go to heaven. On earth. So the law of sowing and reaping will work for you. Someone say, it works for me. 
I sow bountifully and joyfully, and the Lord loves it, because I am a cheerful giver. Now, I'm going to say something that um, I keep, I, I used to say a lot, but anymore I don't do the tithe and offering sermonette very often, because I have Jen do that. Um, but down in Richmond, I've been telling people this, and I had someone tell me, you know, that really blesses me that you say that. So I'm going to remind you of it again. Our needs at Church of the Word, Church of the Word's needs are met by Church of the Word's giving. They're not met by your giving. My personal needs are not met by your giving. My personal needs are met by my giving. Let's say it a different way. My harvest comes from my sowing, not from your sowing. Right? And so let's keep our focus on that. Even though we are giving on a horizontal level, because it goes from your pocket into the church's account and then the church pays bills and you know whatever the church is doing with it, even though that's a horizontal level, if your focus is on the Lord and you're giving it to the Lord, it has supernatural empowerment and an enablement that's connected to it. So take a hold of your tithe, your offering, and let's pray over it. Father, we present our offerings to You and we, we return the tithe to You. We thank You, Lord, that You watch over Your Word to accomplish it and that You said not one part of Your Word will go unfulfilled. And so we claim Your promises about You being our source in everything and that we're equipped to do all things financially according to your promises and as we sow we shall reap and i thank you for this lord i call these finances blessed in jesus name and amen, amen. with well, the ushers can did we do the envelopes already no, no? yes okay uh, the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give unto the lord I want to take a moment, and while they're doing that, I'm going to talk and encourage you guys in something, as well as talk about my son, Adrian. Won't you come up here and stand with me? It's okay to smile. They're glad you're home. Yeah, you can do that now. Where's the, where's the microphone? So, down at Alert Academy, he was down, for those of you that don't know, he was in Texas at Alert Academy. It's a nine-week Christian boot camp that they claim is equivalent to the Marine Corps' boot camp as far as the intensity and the difficulty of it. But it's a Christian organization, so they really focus on building the identity of Christ in, in the young men that are there and helping those young men develop in character and in integrity. And how many know that men are not made by sitting on the couch? Yeah, right? Difficult times will produce strong men. Yeah. And so it's a difficult time while they're down there. And um, one of the things I was really, really blessed with when, when we were finally able to come together and hug and hear all the stories. and I mean, we had to drive all the way to Missouri and then all the way to Ohio and then all the way to Pennsylvania to get caught up on stories. So I think we've, we've caught up on most of them probably. But the thing that I wanted uh, him to talk about, and I'm going to ask him a question here in just a little bit, is um, they did this, 
they, they did many hard things. One thing was a 24-hour hike, like just from morning till the next morning. They covered 52 miles in 24 hours with like 40-pound rucksacks and all this stuff on, right? And, um, but they did many other hard things too. And, and one of the things that they did was it was called the last man standing. And if you put up the uh, photos on the, uh, on the PowerPoint, <laughs> here's a picture of Adrian is in the contest of last man standing. Now what that is, is the entire group of guys, they bring them out and they start putting them through exercises and they keep on just putting you through a brutal exercises until everyone fails or until there's one person standing, right? One person left, all right? And so um, you can go to uh, the, next, the next slide. And this is it's down to two guys. They have the uh, instructors around them. And of course, they're giving them instruction and yelling and making sure that they are doing things correctly. And uh, you can see Adrian's looking over at the other guy, probably praying that he, he quits already. <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit, here's, here's the part of the story, here's why I'm doing this, is what was going through your mind as you were in this, in this event? Okay, well, uh, I was praying in my mind, you know, praying in tongues, praying and thinking of everybody, you know, back home, um, and uh, God was the reason why I was able to be the last man standing, but really that happened like a month probably before the actual, or not a month, I don't know how exactly where the timeline was, but um, it was already a mental decision that failure was not gonna be an option. And um, Silas actually emailed me, and in one of his emails he detailed um, the sermon that Apostle Dale preached here. I believe it was the first service here? I think so. Anyway, in the, service, or in the sermon that Apostle Dale preached, um, there was a story about um, a veteran who would storm beaches, and one thing he would repeat was, somebody's going to make it, and it's going to be me. I like that. That really stuck out to me, and that really ministered to me. So, like, when I was on my guard watches or fire watches, um, I would just repeat that in my head. Somebody's going to make it, and it's going to be me because of Christ in me. And I would just repeat this over and over and over and over in my head. I would ask God to help me for any challenges and hard events, and I would pray about it. And so while this event's going on, you know, I'm just, you know, thanking God and just praying and thinking of everybody and repeating in my mind, somebody's going to make it, and it's going to be me. It's going to be me because of Christ in me. And so that was what was in my head, and it really ministered to me that Silas wrote that. Um, okay, show us the next photo. This was uh, after he had wanted and was like uh, really exhausted in the hot Texas sun, and they were congr the instructors were congratulating him. Um, the thing that I wanted to draw attention and highlight here is if you think you can't do something, you're right. Right? When you say, I can't, you are eliminating God from the picture. Because with God, all things are possible. And for the most part, as believers that are people of faith, we need to eradicate that word. Unless we're using it in, no, I can't do that, that's wrong. Yeah, you're right, don't do that. But if you believe you can, because of Christ in you, the strength that will come to you will enable you to do way beyond what you would think you could normally do. On top of that, there is a, another important piece of this, and that was Silas. Silas wrote him, I think, more emails than anyone else. 
I think he wins the award for the most emails, and, and Adrian really appreciated that. And Silas, your encouragement, he wasn't here for that sermon. I mean, we've been chewing that line here. You, you've been here with us for a little while. You know that we've been using that line. Somebody's going to make it, and it's going to be me. Somebody's going to you know, walk in the divine fulfillment of God's will, and it's going to be me. How, whatever you want to put on the front of it. And he doesn't know that. But Silas writes an email with that story in there and, and just a, you know, a little bit about that sermon and a sermon that Dale preached that goes through someone else's writing and email is encouraging someone else bore that kind of fruit in his life. Do not discount the little bit of time it takes you to encourage someone. That, that email, that text message, that phone call, that little bit you say could be all the difference between them making it or not. So don't discount the little nudges you get. I, I should say that. Just do it. Just do it and let them be encouraged by it. Did you have anything else to say? Nope. Okay, you can sit. So everyone, be like Silas. That blessed me so much when I heard that story. And I was like, I have to share that with you all. Good evening, everyone. So great to see you all here tonight. Praise the Lord. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. And I, I like you, don't take this for granted, not one bit. Every time we get together, two or three gather together in his name, there he is in the mess, right? Psalms 8, phenomenal psalm, but I, it was quoted by Jesus himself in Matthew, and I, I want to read that. In Matthew 15, 21, 15, it says, but when the chief priest and the scribe saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, thank you, John, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what the kids are saying? And Jesus said, yes. Have you never read? Isn't that funny? He's telling this to the scribes and the Pharisees who knew the law. He said, have you never read Psalms 8? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Wow, kind of a, haven't you read Psalms 8? So in Psalms 8, it says, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is a na your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, 
you have ordained strength. Well, in Matthew 21, Jesus said that he used the word praise, and in Psalm 8, it says ordained strength. So praise brings strength. It's so beautiful, isn't it? And Jesus received that praise from those children, and he still receives the praise from us today. But look what else praise does in verse 2. That you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Have you ever done that just in a moment of despair or you just don't know what to do? All of a sudden you lift your, your head and your voice and you just start praising Jesus or quoting Psalms 91. I remember hearing a story of a little old woman at a bus stop that somebody went by her and stole her purse and went running. And she, she lifted her voice and she said, feathers, feathers, feathers. I never forgot that story. And the boy turned around and dropped her purse and then fled off. I never forgot that because every word in the Bible produces strength. And right here, it says it stops or stills the enemy. Incredible. Do you believe it? Amen. Amen. So when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you've ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Do you see yourself crowned with glory and honor? Is that your identity as a father looks at you? You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that passes through the path of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You know, in, in spite of the vastness of God's universe, he is very, very mindful of you. Amen. Well, let's stand up together as the family of God and let's praise him. Let's receive his strength tonight and let's still that old devil. Amen. Lord, we worship you. We thank you, Father, for being good to us. Someone say, he is good to me. He's good to me. Look at your neighbor and tell him, he is good to you. He is good to you. Now, here's how I know that's true. The psalm says that he is good to all. He is good to all. And that, if you're in all, you qualify to walk in the fullness of his goodness that he has made available to us. Now, there's still options that are available to you and I to walk in or not. Just because it's made available doesn't mean that you're going to experience it. Joy is much the same way. Just because joy, the joy of the Lord, is my strength, Scripture said. Just because that joy is available to you doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to walk in it. It requires something of you, and it requires a focus and an attention from your heart upon the Lord, upon the good things that He has done, 
right? Listen, if you're not thankful, you just need a perspective shift. That's all you need is a perspective change. So right now, find something to thank the Lord for and tell Him with your own mouth. Thank Him for that thing in your life. Father, I thank You for a church, a group of people that love You. Thank You, Lord, for putting us with these people. Father, we thank You for making a way of salvation available to us that You redeemed us unto Yourself that You paid every debt of sin, that You canceled every, every bill that was put against us. And we thank You, Lord, that You have placed sonship and made us sons and daughters of the Most High, that You have given us Your name, Your DNA, and we bless You. We say You are good. You are good. Someone tell Him You are good. We're going to, uh, in a moment here, pray over those that are going to City Gate. So if you are going to City Gate, I'm going to ask you to remain standing. Everyone else can be seated. And um, rather than making you come all the way up here to the front, we'll just uh, identify you where you're at and we're going to pray over you. Stretch out your hands to the Lord and to the nearest person. Father, we bless these, your people, and I thank you, Lord, that you have put it upon their heart, in their heart, to go and minister your love, your peace, your joy to those around us, to those down in Lancaster, those in Columbia. And Lord, I thank you too that you have made protection available for us. And we ask you, Lord, for your divine protection upon every person as they're out ministering, as they're walking, wherever they may be, Lord, that you, by your angels, you set a guard around them. And Lord, I ask you for divine appointments for the right people to hear the word that is fitly spoken in right season, that their life might be changed, that they'd be set free, that people would be delivered from bondage, that people would come into the kingdom of God. Lord, even now tonight, prepare their heart. Even with dreams tonight, Father, I am asking You by Your Spirit to prepare their heart to receive the good news of the Gospel tomorrow. And I thank You for this. Lord, I ask that You would just fill each one with Your Holy Spirit. Each one that is going to minister even from man, woman, and child, Lord, with a special boldness that gifts of the Spirit would flow and operate as they're out walking and ministering in Jesus' name and amen. Well, we're going to uh, release the children to their classes and the teachers to their stations. And while they're going, let's, uh, let's pray for our children. Father, I thank you that you have brought these little ones into our house and that you're going to do great and mighty things even through the little ones, and that you've put it into their hearts, that you've put it into the parents' hearts, that you would lead the parents, every parent here, every grandparent, every uncle, every aunt, that you would lead us to be able to walk with these little ones in a way that would promote them growing and maturing in all things pertaining to you. In Jesus' name, and amen. Well, why don't you turn and greet your neighbor, welcome someone, say hello to someone. And um, also, after, after you're done doing that, some of you in the back, someone come fill in this empty spot up front here. Well, good evening to you all. It's, 
It's good to be back with my family again. We had an, an amazing time, an amazing trip, but it's always good to come back and, and be with my church family. Y'all are church family. So we're glad to see you tonight. Well, we'd like to welcome you here if this is your very first time to Church of the Word. You want to just raise your hand so we can see who you are and acknowledge you. Anyone here for the first time? Oh, in the back. Well, welcome. We're so glad you're with us tonight. We trust you'll be blessed. We have a, a card there, an information card. If you'd like to, you can fill that out. Um, if you don't want to, that's okay, too. And you can put it in the basket as it goes by. So we're going to prepare to return the tithe to, to the Lord. So if you need an envelope for your cash giving, you can raise your hand. Our ushers will bring one to you. And Pastor Sidney's going to be bringing the tithe message here in a little bit. But um, we're going to go over some announcements and things, and then he has, he'll share with us. So if you have a bulletin, you can pull that out. As was mentioned, we have CityGate Columbia tomorrow morning, so do be in prayer for those as they go out on the streets. Pray that they would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and that people would be touched and lives changed. Youth and young adult impact here at the building tomorrow at 5, and then following afterwards, we're going to be celebrating Adrian's graduation from high school and alert. So that's at 7.30. Landmark, the Armada Landmark is coming up very quickly. It's going to be upon us, so I hope you're all planning on attending that. It's always such a great week of refreshing and growth and just digging deeper into what God has for you, propelling you forward. I did want to mention that we're not going to be serving evening meals, so keep that in mind and be prepared to handle that on your own as you see fit. 